The Terry and Jesse Show. This is uh, the Holy Hour of Power. This is the Lord's Gym. We are your spiritual fitness trainers. My name is Jesse Romero, the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Latin lover of Our Lady. And Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. Jess, so good to have you back in the saddle here. Uh, good to be back. We, yeah, man, it is good to have you. And Jess, this show today is not only going to talk a little bit about uh, some craziness in the church. It's going to give some success stories of pro-life work that's going on. We're going to tell you how many babies have been saved in six months in Texas. It'll fill a stadium. Yeah, that's how many babies have been saved. This is why it's so important to continue to fight for the unborn. But today we're going to talk about, it says Rachel Levine. Actually, Jesse, I don't call her Rachel. Her name, it's, it's Richard, okay? That's his name. Now, I'm sorry. I don't acknowledge that he says he's a woman because you know what? He's a man. But anyhow, exactly. he's nominated as one of the USA Today's Women of the Year. Are you what? kidding me? Is this microphone on? Jesse, can this actually happen today? <laughs> we would have said this is crazy 25, 30 years ago. Also, Jess, well, let's just be honest. The inflation rate is just going crazy right now. And some people say it's like two paychecks a year. We're going to talk about they are gone for you. Now, we're going to talk about what's happening with that. And how it affects not only you, but the church and everyone. And then there's a new nominee for the Supreme Court. And um, this, uh, uh, what is it, Katine Brown-Jackson, she's an abortion activist who should not be on the abortion, should not be on the Supreme Court. We're going to talk about that. But again, there's so many good news stories for you to know that we're going to chat about. But before we get into all of these Issues of the day here at the Terry and Jesse Show. What do we do? We give you soul food. We give you the gospel from Mass or the readings from Mass. Just bring it on. That's right, Terry. But also, this is the month dedicated to Saint Joseph. Big time. Uh, Saint Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Amen, bro. Here we go. Today's holy gospel, Matthew chapter eighteen. Peter yep. approached Jesus and asked him, "Lord, if if I for, if, if my brother sins against me." How often must I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who's decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and all his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, Pay, pay back what you owe, falling to his knees. I'm, just, I'm imagining this in I my can mind. imagine. I always chuckle about <laughs> reading this gospel. I'm like, I can see that happening. Give it back. Uh, falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he put him in prison until he paid back the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and re reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger... His master handed him over to the torturers until he, sh until he should pay back the whole debt. So will my heavenly father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. 
the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of things that jump out at me in today's holy gospel is uh, the the first of all, our Lord says to, to forgive 70 times 7. What does this mean? This denotes a limitless forgiveness and mercy. It's supposed to be limitless. And what our Lord Jesus Christ, he contrasts the behavior expected of the apostles with the boundless vengeance of Lamech in the book of Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, where Lamech, the, the, the same figures are said about Lamech, that about seven and 70 times seven are contrasted with today's gospel. Uh, also, our Lord talks about 10,000 talents. What is a talent? It's a coin that's equivalent to 6,000 denarii or 20 years wages for a labor. So this figure is given today. It's kind of exaggerated for emphasis because what the parable is doing, it's accentuating the king, the king, which is God, God's mercy in forgiving an incalculable, an incalculable amount of money, a debt, that was impossible for a servant to pay in his lifetime. So it goes to show you the the the, the deep mercy of God. Also, another verse that jumps out at me in today's gospel is, is the word, uh, forgive your brethren, verse 35. What our Lord is doing here, he's demonstrating the, fall of the, the folly, the silliness of not having mercy on somebody. Why? Because if you're forgiven an eternal debt of sin, by God, shouldn't we be be quick to forgive others of much smaller debts? And, and, and the lesson, today's gospel is summarized in our Lord Jesus Christ, his prayer that he taught us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, called the Our Father. The Our Father is a summary of today's gospel. If you want to get into heaven... You better forgive those who have offended you because nobody will be in heaven who hates, has anger, resentment, or bitterness for another person. Jesse, I want to show the uniqueness of Christianity over Judaism or Muslims. Uh, you, We've mentioned this before. We're the only religion that teaches about forgiveness. The Jews don't. Muslims, what do they say? You can eye lie. For eye. Yeah, eye not, for eye. yeah, that's the, that's the Jews. But what do Muslims say? Hey, we can lie to the infidels, right? Until we take control, and then we take over. Yeah, See, there's a uniqueness about Christianity. Yeah, that's that's what's interesting is the three religions that come from the Middle East. Yeah, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Yeah, of the three major religions that come from the Middle East, right. only one religion teaches forgiveness, that's and that's a revolutionary thought in the Middle Eastern mind because both the Jews and the Muslims in the Quran and the Old Testament. What they teach, essentially, Terry, is an eye for an eye or even revenge. Where we teach is forgiveness of sins and vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The Lord is going to make, uh, he's going to make, uh, he's going to equal everything out, Terry, at the end of time at the general judgment. Think of this, Jesse. Our good friend, Father Dave Nix, is in town, and he was at a fundraiser for the uh, Eastern Rite Catholics in the Middle East, and the Archbishop from Lebanon told a story of a Christian man where ISIS came into his home and they killed his family. What did they do to him? They crucified him on the front door. Mm. Can you imagine identifying with Christ your last breath that they would crucify you? I'm thinking that's what ISIS did to this father 
of what four or five kids in the Middle East. That's not forgiveness. But I'll tell you what, that man who died, I'm thinking, Jesse, in my mind, can you imagine dying like Christ died on a cross? Straight to heaven. You got it, Jess. I mean, whatever sins he may have committed in the past. Yeah. At that moment, Terry, everything was forgiven. It's just something, di- yeah. It's something it, to think it, about. Yeah. If you die, I mean, if you get crucified and you're just a pagan and dropping yeah. F-bombs and, yeah. you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're uh, yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't, nope. it doesn't amount to a this hill of beans. a holy man. Yeah. If you're a holy man and you die for Christ on a crucifix, you go to heaven like a lightning bolt. Wow. All right. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Oh, Sheen ahead. This is a comment about our world right now. So much evil is going on. Fulton Sheen says... The evil which God permits must not be judged by its immediate effects, but rather by its ultimate effects. He used the analogy, when you go to a theater, you do not walk out because you see a good man suffering in the first act. You give the dramatist credit for a plot. Why can you not do that much with God? So many people say, Oh, God, there can't be. Look at the evil that's going on. Well, you know what, Jess? As you know, God can bring good out of evil. and He's done it throughout history. And I see the evil that's going on right now in the world. And somehow God's going to raise up saints to overcome this evil. For example, the evil of abortion. Look what happened with the state of Texas, how they're saving thousands and thousands of lives because of holy men who are willing to take a stand for life. Wow. Just good stuff. Mm. Hey, one quick note. I just been getting a lot of calls about uh, yesterday's show, Sister Didi. Uh, you want to listen to it, folks. We had a wonderful nun who, uh, who really uh, talk about pro-life, pro-family. She's an amazing woman. You might want to check our vmpr.com website or go to our podcast and listen to yesterday's show. It was an amazing show. Just one more thing. Father Chad Ripperger, you were with him last week. Uh, he's going to be coming out with Bishop Strickland next March for the uh, Spiritual Warfare Conference. For those who didn't get copies of the show, I'm still getting people every day saying, wow, that's amazing what went on last January. Well, you can still pick it up by going to vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151. Just, just a real quick before we break, you're information that you got for a whole week with father chad and the team you're going to probably share some of that with us as the weeks go on is that a fair statement oh absolutely yeah i'm just i'm, I'm organizing my notes right Good. now so i can uh because mm-hmm. I, I got had a note notepad and i'm just scribbling oh. things all week so i'm, I'm putting yeah. it into my laptop and organizing it awesome you know i've seen you that's how you operate put it all all organized and we're going to be the benefit whether it's jesus 911 or the terry and jesse show jess will share that knowledge with us Hey, I always say it every every first quarter now, Jess. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires, even among all this evil. Because you know what? We know the end. We win. With Christ, we will win. Amen. Stay, stay with us, family. When we come back, we're going to share some craziness of the world with the truths of the gospel here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse Show. We're too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. (laughs) 
Did you know that the Supreme Court nominee's record has is undergoing some scrutiny? Uh, it they're, should. They're, yeah, they're, uh, she's on the witness stand today, or she's there, there's a Senate confirmation hearing all this week. Yes, Judge Katenji Brown Jackson, her record is coming under intense scrutiny, and it should be. Catholic Vote did a deep dive into Judge Brown Jackson's record. Good. And here's a couple of things, a couple of items that I think people should know about. Here, here's an overview of Judge Jackson's record. And, and by the way, Catholic Vote uh, Director of Government Affairs, Tom McCluskey, says when you look at a record, especially on the issue of life, mm. this should immediately disqualify her for a lifetime appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court. And he's saying that the U.S. Senate should not rush the nomination through. She needs to be scrutinized. So here's the first area of concern for us Catholics with this new uh, Supreme Court justice pick or nominee. What's her view on the Constitution and judicial branch? Well, Judge Jackson rejects constitutional originalism. Yep. That's the judicial philosophy espoused by Justice uh, Justices Amy Coney Barrett, Clarence Thomas, yep. and, 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 and uh, about at least two others. And instead, she has stated that the Constitution contains enumerated rights that the ju- that the judicial branch is tasked with discovering <laughs> in, in other words that was the argument that they used for roe versus wade is that uh is that the constitution contains penumbras and enumerated rights which allow a woman uh the right to choose in other words they made this up out of whole cloth so this justice is going back to the way the justices were arguing back in nineteen in the seventies that oh there are things in the Constitution that are aren't, aren't real obvious they're kind of like hidden in the documents that gives a woman a right to to choose for an abortion but again she's standing in contrast with the Catholic preference for originalist justices yep. for example like Justice Scalia said the Constitution is not a living organism. That's what just Judge Jackson, she holds to the living organism that it evolves. No, Justice Scalia says it's a legal document and it says what it says and, and, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. That's right. In, in particular, Judge Jackson, her views on the 5th, 9th, and 14th Amendments as a source of enumerated rights, including the source of the right to terminate a pregnancy. So again... She holds to an evolving constitution where the, uh, the the conservatives on the court hold to the constitution as as an originalist document. In other words, it says what it says and nothing beyond that. And Jesse, just a quick note, Judge Jackson has a very similar view that President past Obama had. I don't know the real history, but was she nominated by Obama? Do you know that? Well, a lot of people think that this is Obama's third term, Biden, Terry. Yeah, but what I'm saying is Jackson uh, has had— They're both, they're both leftists. They're both leftists. And yeah. that's why we need to pray and do everything we can to stop this nomination from going through because you know what she's going to be voting for. Jesse will be dead if she's alive. If she lives to be 80 years old, you know, 30, 40 years, this woman will be on the Supreme Court. This is why we have to take action this week. That's right. The, now, the next issue 
is uh, she's outside the mainstream. During her time as a district judge, Jackson was one of the most frequently reversed judges on the D.C. Federal District Court, a statistic that signals low judicial competence. Mm-hmm. Judge Jackson's reversal rate from her de- from her court decisions was 11.9%, wow. putting her in the bottom 30.8% among Democrat-appointed D.C. Federal District judges. For example, here's one case. In the AFL-CIO versus Trump in 2018, Judge Jackson struck down the provisions of three executive orders, limiting the time labor union officials could, sp- could spend with union members, the issues that unions could bargain over in negotiations, and the rights of disciplined workers to appeal disciplinary actions. So a unanimous three-judge panel for the D.C. Circuit Court reversed Judge Jackson's decision, holding that she lacked jurisdiction to hear the case so, Terry, she's got a history of being overturned. Absolutely. And, and Jesse, this again, I, I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but just the very fact that she doesn't see the dignity of human life in abortion. I mean, I saw all the statistics on her with uh, pornography where she would give the people who are convicted of uh, pornography distribution uh, the smallest amount of time for jail term. And I heard her trying to justify that, saying, oh, you have to you know, have to understand that this is a tough thing. My point is, um, everything she's done, she's pointed out on the wrong side of morality that Christians have. So I think all of us, not just Catholics, but all Christians and people of goodwill need to pray and, and let their voice be heard because we don't need someone like this on the Supreme Court for the next 30 or 40 years. I hope they block her, Terry. I really I, do. I, you know, I doubt it, to be honest with you, Jess. Yeah. I, I doubt it not from what, from what I'm reading and other articles. But miracles can take place. I think when the hoi polloi stand up and say, no way, then that does take an effect with their representatives, I hope. So what's her position on abortion? Oh. Judge Jackson has supported abortion throughout her career, er earning her an endorsement from pro-abortion activist Fatima Goss-Graves of the National Women's Law Center when she was nominated for the D.C. Circuit Court. In its own endorsement, abortion extremist group NARAL cited Jackson's work as a clerk under Justice Stephen Breyer, whom Jackson would replace on the Supreme Court if confirmed. In 2000, Jackson would have been responsible for researching and drafting a significant portion of his opinion for Temberg versus Carthart, striking down a Nebraska law banning partial birth abortion. Mm-hmm. In 2001, Jackson cleared up any doubt on her own legal opinions in abortion when she wrote an amicus brief on behalf of NARAL, the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, and other pro-abortion groups supporting a buffer zone law that blocked pro-life advocates from approaching abortion facilities. And in 2018, Jackson blocked the, the Trump administration's attempt to end taxpayer funding of abortion as a teen pregnancy prevention measure. Her ruling restored federal funding to abortion giant Planned Parenthood. She is bad news. And not only that, Jesse, because she's an African-American, what she's saying is about 40% of the abortions are done on her people. In other words, yep. her yep. ethnicity. And so I asked this question, why is she prejudiced against black babies? Because anybody who's killing unborn babies have to realize that a majority of those babies are African American and I would like to ask her, but obviously she sees it as not a baby. And that's a huge problem for us because life is sacred from conception to natural death. 
And what she sees it as is just a plob of tissue. And we can't have more people like that on the Supreme Court. Here's another one where she's she's uh, on the wrong side of the issue is on sentencing and sex offenders. Oh, big time. Eight different yeah. issues. Yeah. Yep. Time. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from uh, Missouri, he raised concerns with Judge Jackson's soft treatment of sex offenders and her habit of deviating from sentencing guidelines on this and other issues. Oh, yeah. And this speaks to Judge Jackson's longstanding record of viewing sentencing as an art that melds together various types of law rather than as a strict adherence to criminal law codes. While a, while a student at Harvard, Jackson questioned having convicted sex offenders register as such as it leads to stigmatization and ostracism. Yeah, that's so she's, wor- she's worried about their feelings. As a member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, Judge Jackson advocated for drastic change in how the law treats sex offenders by eliminating the existing mandatory minimum sentences for child porn. She argued that some people who possess child porn are in this for either the collection or the people who are loners and find status in their participation in the community. So she's justifying it. That's what she's doing, Jess. Yeah, she's uh, she's basically tra- th- thinking emotion- emotionally. Yep. She's not thinking like a judge. That's right. In every single porn case for which records have been found, Judge Jackson deviated from federal sentencing guidelines in favor of child porn offenders. And there's several cases here that uh, are cited here in this article. Terry, she's also wrong on the critical race theory. Oh, yeah. Judge Jackson has explicitly stated that critical race theory is a significant factor in her judicial philosophy. In other words, this is how she's going to rule from the bench. In 2015, she lectured on federal prison sentencing guidelines, which she said are, quote, interesting on an intellectual level because of the nexus of topic that impact the, topics that impact them, including critical race theory. Judge Jackson said, quote, I also try to convince my students that sentencing it's just plain interesting on an uh, – uh, I, I, uh, I lost my- – Yeah, see, let me just jump in for yeah, a second because she's yep. basically the woke culture. That's how there she is go. described. I was trying to come up with something. that That's how I describe this woman. We don't need that today. I mean, she would I, – I, I could see that you know she would be for transgenderism. She would be for oh, all these different – you know, killing unborn babies. All she's on the wrong side of everything, and that's why I want everyone listening to say, "What can we do to stop her? Let our legislation people know that we're against her. We don't want to see her as a Supreme Court justice." And let's get on our knees and pray. I pray for her conversion because this is a woman who's also going to be judged like the rest of us. Yep, yeah, you can write, you can email your senator, call your senator, yeah. and tell tell your senator. Uh, that you don't want her to be nominated as the next Supreme Court justice. That's it. Or send, your, or send your senator an email. They have to be bombarded with email. Yep. She's also wrong, Tara, on the issue of immigration. You think? She's, uh, ja- on the wrong Jackson, side. Jackson issued a sweeping nationwide preliminary injunction preventing the Department of Homeland Security from expanding its expedited removal program for non-citizens that was instituted by Donald Trump, the prior president. And so... Uh, also, who's endorsing her? She's endorsed by a group called Demand Justice, a group which has received funding from 
Arabella Advisors, which is a massive, progressive, dark money group. In other words, we don't know where the money comes from. So Demand Justice supports her financially. We don't know who this group is or where the money comes from. And she's also endorsed and supported by Open Society Policy Center. We know who they are. They're a nonprofit in George Soros' network. And so uh, Demand Justice was instrumental in forcing Justice Breyer to retire and spend a lot of dark money to achieve that goal. Their preferred candidate after the death of Justice Scalia was Ketanji Brown-Jackson, and that has not changed now with Stephen Breyer's announced, announced retirement. But uh, Demand Justice is the leading group in support of packing the court with liberal justices to guarantee decisions that favor liberal ideologies over the U.S. Constitution. Not good, Terry. Everything you said, Jesse, she's on the wrong side of Christianity and any kind of the Ten Commandments. We pray that this woman will be converted, but we definitely don't want her as the Supreme Court Justice for the next 30 or 40 years. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. You know, with the passing of time, we learn more and more about the COVID-19 vaccines, Terry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, a lot of things that were denied in the beginning are coming now to light. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines... Mm -hmm go into liver cells and is converted to DNA, the messenger RNA from Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is able to enter human liver cells and is converted into DNA, according to Swedish researchers at Lund University. And these researchers found that when the mRNA vaccine enters the human liver cells, it triggers the cell's DNA, which is inside the nucleus, to increase the production of the line 1 gene expression to make mRNA. So the the... All of this was denied, Terry, by the CDC initially. In fact, the vaccine's mRNA converting into DNA and being found inside the cell's nucleus is something that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, said would not happen. But now we're looking at the science today and the genetic material delivered by mRNA vaccines, they say, never enters the nucleus of your cells the CDC said that on their webpage, it was entitled Myths and Facts About COVID-19 Vaccines. But fast forward today, <laughs> 2022. Oh. Yeah. Now we're finding out what? Not true. It's causing autoimmune disorders. Of course. Yes. A Swedish study also found spike proteins expressed in the surface of the liver cells that researchers say may be targeted by the immune system and possibly cause autoimmune hepatitis as there have been case reports on individuals who have developed autoimmune hepatitis after this uh, the, the, after the vaccination. So the authors of the first reported case of a healthy 35-year-old female who helped autoimmune hepatitis, who, who developed, excuse me, autoimmune hepatitis a week after her first dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 jab said that there's a possibility that spike-directed antibodies induced by vaccination may also trigger, here it is, autoimmune conditions in predisposed individuals. 
as it has been shown that severe cases of SARS-CoV-2 infection are characterized by an auto-inflammatory dysregulation that contributes to tissue damage, which the virus, the virus's spike protein appears to be responsible for. Terry, all these studies that are now coming up from Europe are, are, uh, are basically, uh, un- they're putting a light yeah. to the lies that the CDC were perpetuating for the last two years. And Jesse, this is why, think about it when it happened, no guarantee, no liability from any of the pharmaceutical companies to give you the jab. Now you know why there weren't any. Because can you imagine, Jesse, if there was a opportunity for all the people who died from this shot, all the people who were getting sick to file lawsuits? But no, no. That was the red flag right away, Jesse, before I even knew anything. When I found out they weren't going to give a backing, like you buy a car or you buy a house or some kind of liability that they have to perform on, when, they, when I found out that they had no liability, that you're just taking a risk, are you kidding me? How many millions and billions of people took the shot and now they're finding out why they didn't have any liability because they didn't want to take all those lawsuits because it wasn't safe. That's what we're finding out now. That's right. And, and the spike proteins... Uh, may circulate in the body after an, an infection or injection mm. with the COVID-19 vaccine. It was assumed that the vaccine spike protein would remain mostly at the injection site and last up to several weeks mm-hmm. like other proteins produced in the body. But studies are showing that is not the case. The Japanese regulatory agency's biodistribution study of the Pfizer vaccine showed that some of the mRNAs moved from the injection site and through the bloodstream and were found in various organs such as the liver, spleen, adrenal glands, and ovaries of rats 48 hours following the injection. And in a different study, the spike proteins made in the body after receiving a Pfizer COVID-19 shot have been found on tiny membrane vesicles called exosomes that mediate cell-to-cell communication by transferring genetic materials to other cells for at least four months after the second vaccine dose. Furthermore, the persistence of the spike protein in the body raises the prospect of sustained inflammation within and damage to organs which express the spike protein. According to experts, at Doctors for COVID Ethics, which is an organization consisting of doctors and scientists seeking to uphold uphold medical ethics, patient safety, and human rights in response to COVID-19. Here's what one of the doctors says. As long as a spike protein can be detected on cell-derived membrane vesicles, the immune system will be attacking the cells that release these vesicles. And finally, Dr. Peter McCullough weighs in. We all know who he is. He's a, a world-class internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist. He wrote on Twitter that the Swedish study's findings have enormous implications of permanent chromosomal change and long-term constitutive spike synthesis driving the pathogenesis of a whole new genre of chronic disease. He says whether the findings of the study will occur in living organisms 
or the DNA converted from the vaccine's mRNA will, will integrate with the cell's genome is unknown. The author said more investigations are needed, including in whole living organisms such as animals to better understand the potential effects of the mRNA vaccine. Terry, this is all, all this all this information was being withheld from us, and now the truth is coming out. Yep. Again, you know, two years removed from this uh, from the the ons- the onset of this, but it goes to show you that what uh, President Trump said over two years ago. Yep. He said that the the solutions or the medicine is or, or he actually tweeted. He said this. He says, "Remember the cure." can be worse than the problem itself. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what we're saying. Hey, just, right just a quick note. I wanted to encourage, you know, this is obviously in years to come, we're going to be looking back and going, oh, my gosh, what a bad thing we did, you know, back when we had this COVID-19 and all these people got vaccinated. Look at how many people are dying. Look at how many people are sick. They have to live lives like this. Um, I just want to give some good news. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that the Texas abortion ban is celebrating 200 days of saving babies, and we're at one, uh, 17,000 babies that have been saved and are breathing today because of that case. So I want to just say thank you, Texas, and I hope it spreads to other parts of the country. Also, another good news for your uh, need-to-know file. Just this is amazing. Miracle twin babies were born at 22 weeks. The doctor said, you have no ch- chance, chance of survival. They survived, okay? So tell that to the Supreme Court justice lady, okay? That's a baby. It's not just a glob of tissue. And then, Jess, another pro-life good news file. West Virginia Governor Jim Justice signs a bill banning abortions on babies with Down syndrome. It all comes back to this, the dignity of human life. And right now, we have a fight going on. And I mean, it is a battle for human life. We've got one side who I would call is demonic. Okay, you know what? Jess, that's a big statement. Why do I say it's demonic? Because what is the devil all about? Destructive. Yeah, death. Yeah, destruction. And so this whole issue of the abortion, Planned Parenthood is a a huge arm of the devil. And so those who are participating in the killing of innocent life, whether they know it or not, they're playing on the devil's team, Jess. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. Terry, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, he stands in a, in a long line of a lot of good doctors mm-hmm. who have paid the price. They've lost their jobs. They've been canceled on social media. They've been canceled by the medical industry. Yep. But, I mean, you know, Dr. Yvette, Dr. Judy Mikovitz, Dr. Chris Martisinard, yep. Dr. Tenpenny, Dr. Carrie Medej, Dr. Richard Bennett, uh, Bartlett, Dr. Vernon Coleman. The list goes on, Terry. They took There's a, hit. A, a Yeah, a lot of these doctors, they put their medical license on the line. Yep. And they were whistleblowers very early on, two years ago. They were exposing, Terry, the medical malfeasance. That's the best way I can call it. They were exposing uh, that these were bioweapon shots. Yeah. They were exposing that, that the spike protein of the COVID vaccines, uh, it, it's, it's a dangerous weapon. It's a dangerous toxin. It's a bioweapon. Uh, this, uh, this tech, this technology was experimental. Some other doctors were calling it global genocidal events. Uh, other doctors were saying these COVID vaccines were biological weapons of mass destruction. So, uh, we did have our fair share of people warning us. Uh, American frontline doctors a while back ago, they said, 
this is all political. It's all about money. It yep. really is. Yep. All, 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 every, what we're dealing with, money is the motive. COVID is an industry unto itself. The jabs, the pills, the tests, the masks, the needles, the boosters, uh, 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 supplying this to every country, mandatory lockdowns. This, it's a never-ending revenue stream for the billionaires. And the public-private partnership needs to keep the illusion using the mainstream media of this uh, pandemic that's ongoing. It's hard, Jesse, to realize about the money they are making and the billions and billions of dollars. But we always say, follow the money. Jess, um, when we come back from the break, this is an amazing article from Crisis Magazine. Can anyone choose hell? Because really, what's really important is not so much our 100 years if we're really you know, live long life here, but where we go for all eternity. And, you know, it's our exit interview we talk about. So we're going to talk about that topic. Can anyone choose hell? Or are we in what a lot of people say, universal salvation, that no one goes to hell? Well, you know where Jess and I stand with the church <laughs> and the saints. Oh, gosh. Amen. Amazing, Jess. Hey, we're listening to the Terry and Jesse show here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to thank all the new listeners that are coming on board with us. Stay with us, family. We are here to help you get to heaven. And when you hear about this issue of hell, probably won't hear it too much in a homily, unfortunately. We need to know more about that and have a distaste for hell. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. So the question is, can anyone choose hell? Dr. Regis Martin from Steubenville, uh, a former former professor of mine, he says, have I the right to take myself to hell? (laughs) Am I free to refuse every initiative of grace and thereby frustrate God's offer of salvation? The dark door of time of the future, Pope Benedict reminds us of, of, of us in his moving encyclical on Christian hope. Yes. Has been thrown open. But if I'm determined not to go through that door, what can anyone do to stop me? Is it possible, in other words, to forfeit one's membership in the communion of saints, which is the bond of charity begun in baptism, nurtured over time by, the, by a life of grace and virtue, and whose fullest bloom may be found among the blessed in heaven. If I, a baptized Catholic, were to decide that I no longer wish to spend an eternity in God's company, may I then return my ticket, the one stamped by the blood of Jesus Christ, and walk away, telling God in the most unmistakable way that I do not wish to love or to be loved, but to be left alone forever? Or is the bond between ourselves and God so unbreakable, a, a seal, that not even the most obdurate of sinners can sever the connection? So he's going to answer it right next paragraph. And let me just say this, set the stage, because in the article it quotes Pope Francis in the article, and I just want to quote him directly, because I had this before. He said, The communion of saints is precisely the church. No one can exclude himself from the church. Those who have denied the faith, who are apostates, who are the persecutors of the church, who have denied their baptism, 
Are these also at home? Yes. He's wrong. Even these, even the blasphemers, all of them, we are brothers. This is the communion of the saints. The community of the saints hold together the community of believers on earth and in heaven, in Christ. No one can ever truly separate us from those who love because the bond is so existential bond that it is our very nature. Nothing and no one can break this bond. That's an exact quote, Jesse. Here's what Archbishop Sheen would say. If there is no hell, Jess, then there is no sin. If there is no sin, then there is no judge. And if there is no judgment, then evil is good and good is evil. Continue, Jess. Wow. That was powerful, was it not? Wow. Dr. Regis writes, what are we to make of this? Yep. Surely one asks, he cannot have meant to include, he's talking about Pope Francis' statement. Right, the one I just read. Yeah, that, that Pope Francis cannot have meant to include unrepentant sinners <laughs> exactly. in the kingdom of heaven. That those who deliberately take themselves to hell, choosing an eternity of loss rather than the joys of heaven, are nevertheless still members of the communion of saints. This is not Catholic doctrine. Nope. And no one, not even the Pope of Rome, right. can make it so by saying so. The problem, of course, turns on a distinction. And if only the Pope had made it, everything would have been fine. Indeed, it seems a great pity that none of his advisors uh, were there to catch it, or better still, to have vetted his remarks before he delivered them. It is the distinction between the seal of the sacrament received in baptism, which will never go away, not even in the deepest dungeons of hell and the bond of love, which given the shaping influence of grace and virtue becomes a great and sheltering carapace of sanctity we carry with us into paradise. It is that bond of love connecting the soul to Christ that assures one's membership in the communion of saints, in the absence of which, even were one to retain the character or seal of baptism, it would do one no good unless the bond of charity cementing us to Christ and our neighbor were there as well. Once the pilot light of love goes out and we control the switch, only the darkness remains. Of course the Pope must know this. In fact, he has previously said things that confirm his knowing it in a talk given back in 2016, November 22nd to be exact. He adverted directly to the end and the sense of urgency that needs to surround it, reminding his audience that while some might say, Father, this frightens us, they need to be told that, notwithstanding their fears. It is the truth, because if you do not take care of your heart and you always live far behind from the Lord, perhaps there's danger, the the danger of continuing in this way, far away from the Lord for eternity, this is is very bad. Terry? Jesse, I just want to say about something about free will, that the only value in saying yes to Jesus Christ is that you have the freedom to say no. And this is something that sometimes modernists in the church, I mean, they say that, hey, it's universal salvation. There's, you, you just have to exist to get to heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches, Jesse. The Bible is actually very much on the other side uh, and Jesse, you're, you've brought this up many times about 
where you know few are are are, are going to be received into the kingdom of heaven. Many go to hell. That's what the that's what the Bible says. So I say this that we need to remember that the only value in saying yes to Jesus Christ is you have the freedom to say no. And many times people say no because they don't even know who Jesus Christ is. You know what, Jess? This is something that a lot of people are going to feel uncomfortable when I say it. But one of the reasons, and this is right out of Bishop Athanasius's book, is people don't fear God anymore, a holy fear. Do you know what I'm saying, Jess? They mm. think that this is it. And if it's not, uh, then whatever goes next, I'm not worried about it because they don't understand the consequences of salvation. That's right. The article ends by saying, Dr. Regis Martin says, It is, of course, very bad indeed, exceedingly, even hellishly bad, as it leaves one perpetually perpetually forlorn. Mm -hmm. Sartre, in other words, was dead wrong. (laughs) Hell is not other people, as depicted in his book No Exit. Hell is being alone. Yeah, absolutely. And forever. Yep. it is as the holy monk, Father Zosima reveals in, Do- in Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov, the suffering of being unable to love, not to love the other, whether it be God or one's neighbor, to anchor all one's eros upon oneself. In other words, one's uh, passionate love. This is the philosophy on which hell depends and God taking us at our final word will not stop us. Hell is what the judging God condemned and cast out of his creation, uh, writes Hans Urs von Balthasar. It is filled with all that is irreconcilable with God from which he turns away for all eternity. It is filled with the reality of all the world's godlessness, with the sum of the world's sin, therefore with precisely all of that from which the crucified has freed the world. But for those who will freely avail themselves of the gift, that's the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation, who hunger and thirst for the things of God, knowing that anything less leaves them empty and alone, Pope Francis surely knows this. And for that reason, it is very important that he say so. So, Terry, this is a fraternal correction. It is. It is. He did it nicely, too. Yeah. Much nicer than I would. Jess, let me mention yeah. something about the Desert Fathers talking about hell and the devil. There's a story, and we've, we've reused this before. It comes from the sayings of the Desert Fathers, according to which the devil, this is from a book from Cardinal Ratzinger when he wrote it, was compelled by God to show himself to a certain Abba Apollo. He looked black and ugly with frightened thin limbs, but most strikingly, he had no knees, Jesse. Mm. The inability to kneel is seen as the very essence of the diabolical. Wow. And that is insightful for us in the church today, Jesse, those who don't want to kneel and adore Christ. That's right. Terry, if you look at today's newspaper <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the death column, yes. the, in, in the obituary, guess what? Yeah. S- somebody your age died today. Of course. Somebody younger than you died today. Somebody older than you died today. And tomorrow in the obituary, same thing. Somebody your age will die. Somebody younger will die. That's right. Uh, every day of the week, somebody your age dies, no matter how young you are. And none of them knew that it would be th- that day that they died. Uh, if you think about it, uh, Our Lady of Fatima mm-hmm. in 1917 told Blessed Jacinta, a nine-year-old visionary, if only men knew what eternity is, they would change their lives in a heartbeat. Souls are falling into hell like snowflakes (laughs) fall to the ground. July 1917, that was that apparition then. You know, Terry, the Christian life is very simple. Yep. 
do your duty yeah. accordingly, according to your state in life, well said. until the Lord calls you to your judgment seat. Be- Stay in your lane. <laughs> Stay in your lane, because life is short, and eternity is forever. And just talking about hell, we continually do this every show. We're beating the drum for people to remember what Our Lady said that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. This is why we started our first Saturday devotion here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's for April, where will be our first one where people can come and hear more about the Fatima message. We've got praying of the rosary, we've got confessions, we've got a meditation, and we have Holy Mass, and after Holy Mass, a potluck where people can socialize here at the Sacred Heart Chapel every first Saturday here, because we want to implement the Fatima message. It's a peace plan. It's a big one, Jess. That's right. Uh, Terry, uh, St. Augustine said it well when he said in the 4th century, if you pray well, you will live well. (laughs) If you live well, you will die well. And if you die well, all will be well. Those are words to live by, Terry. Amen, brother. I love that. That's what you know. That's one that I always use at a funeral. That's a that's a keeper right there. That's a, it's keeper. a keeper. Hey, thanks, yeah. th- Jesse. Last thing I want to say is here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio because what we've just talked about is what is essential. It's called salvation. This is what we are here for to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I promise you, our listeners. I promise you, our ve- our benefactors that we're not going to compromise one iota when it comes to the faith. What's going to come on right now is Bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler, Texas. And already I noticed that LifeSite News said this, world leaders abusing their power bring too many innocent people to damnation. That's a bishop saying that, Bishop Strickland. He's going to talk about that when we come back after our break. Guess what state should we be living in, brother? Let's do our best to live in a state of grace. Let's do our best not to live in a state of mortal sin. Let's make sure we go to confession at least once a month, pray a rosary every day, go to Mass as often as possible, do a holy hour at least once a week, make sure you're armored up with sacramentals. And as Ruben Ava says, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Remember, the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle must be like a magnetic pole to bring us to Jesus. Make those visits here. Every day or every week, make your holy hour of power because that's where we're going to receive the grace. Remember, John Paul II said it back in 1980. He said, let our adoration never end. That's what we need to be doing because we were made to adore Jesus Christ. That's what we were made for, to get to heaven. And sometimes we get distracted by the world, the devil, and the flesh. But here at Virgin Most Powerful, we're pointing you to Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. May God richly bless you and enjoy Bishop Strickland coming up now.